What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Corbin Claypool Show. I got Cade and I have Scott with me today. We're going to talk about some some stuff. I'm not sure what we're going to talk about today, but it's going to be impactful, powerful, maybe a little bit of real estate, maybe a little bit of these guys' lives, <laughs> how they got into it. But let's get going, oh, man. Scott, oh. go first. Tell your life story. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Dude. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know where this podcast is going to go because we're laughing too much, but <laughs> thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. So I just kind of you know, usually start this podcast. This is my third episode, you know, kind of getting in the swing of things. And I started just kind of figuring out like who I'm talking to, where you guys started from, and then we can kind of go from there. So whoever wants to go first, share your story a little bit with the audience about what you do, um, you know, where you started how you got into real estate, you know, you guys are both successful investors, especially for your age. So kind of get into that. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, again, I'm Scott Farrow. I got uh, into real estate just about five years ago. I'm from Fresno originally, um, as pretty much as long as I can remember, I've lived here. And, uh, you know, I dropped out of college and tried the real estate game uh, as a realtor, kind of evolved into a realtor investor. And um, started a podcast that you've come on a couple times on and dropped bombs. And that's kind of how I got started. Cool, man. Okay. What about you? Yeah. Born and raised in Fresno. Um, graduated from Fresno state back in 2021. Um, also got started in the real, in real estate, probably about four, four years ago, four or five years ago. Um, got introduced while I was still going to school, finished up school. And since graduating, I've been full-time agent investor, um, ever since. So that's kind of what we got going on. Cool, man. Okay. So one question I, I like to ask, and it's kind of a, a different question. <laughs> so here we go. What would you describe yourself like in high school? Like, how were you in high school growing up as a young kid, you know, exploring the world, figuring things out, kind of go into that. I'll, I'm going to pick you first, Scott. What sports did you play? Who yeah. were you? <clears throat> so as the best water polo player in this room, um, I played water polo. Just kidding. Okay, would you agree with that? Oh. <laughs> uh, we still got to play. What position did you play? Uh, I was kind of a flex player. By senior year, okay. I played whole second. That's what you say when you're not. Yeah. yeah, you're a flex player, by the way. That's you're exactly, the that's exactly <laughs> you're right. You're a utility player. No, I was a whole, I was a whole guard. Um, okay. What school did you play for? Memorial. Okay. So, I don't know. In high school, I look back with a lot of regrets. I think high school is kind of a place that I was really... I would almost argue just immature. Like I would, I would want to say insecure, but it was really just being immature. And I look back, I definitely didn't treat people exactly how I wish I had. And okay, so you were the bully. I kind well, I was you were little. The bully. I was I was the class clown, and I didn't really do it right. I kind of like made fun of people and not funny things. Mm -hmm. um, so I've definitely had to go back and clean up some stuff in the past. But uh, I'd rather have done it when I was, you know. 15 than when I'm 50. Right. Right. But you know, I look back, I took school pretty serious. I did a lot of extracurriculars. Um, and I did fine, but I, you know, I'd probably be described as the class clown, maybe a little bit immature. Okay. And you played water polo all through high school. Did you play in middle school too, or just, yeah, I started in like the fourth or fifth grade played with what? Um, did Memorial start? Does no, I was in a, the junior high program at St. Oh, okay. Anthony's, but we played with Fresno high uh, and then also like I started at Sunnyside and played with uh, Coach Oaf and then moved over to Fresno High and then went Memorial and then 
I was recruited to go play at the Naval Academy, but I didn't end up going because I didn't get accepted to the school. Really? Yeah, I went. Great shit or what? No, I mean I had decent grades. I I did bad on my like SAT and ACT because I only took them once. But I was kind of a B plus A minus student. Okay. Um, had like a three eight or three nine going into the end of the senior year, and um, I was a good player. I played junior Olympics growing up, and then played club teams here and there. But uh, you know, I I went to the Naval Academy for their summer seminar. And that's when I met their like polo coach and everything and talked with them about coming over. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess the way that the military schools work is that they don't pick athletes. Like you can't like get in just cause you're an athlete. You have to qualify first. So coming out of high school, what did you think you were going to do? Like for work, did you have an idea? Did you have a dream when you were younger that oh, I'm going to be a, I wanted to go in the Navy. Or, okay. So like that had been the dream was to go into the Navy. But then I think, like after getting that rejection letter, it kind of shifted what I wanted to do. So I went down the engineering road because that's what my family did. Really? Okay. So I did, okay. yeah, a little bit of civil engineering. I was good at it, but didn't enjoy it. And that's when I kind of started discerning what I wanted to do. Dude, I feel like civil engineering is a tough job because you have to go through so much school and the pay is just not what I think it should be, you know? So I, I didn't get far enough to really know. I just didn't like it. There's something about the coursework that I just didn't like. You didn't like the math and all that kind of crap? or I was fine with it. Um, just didn't enjoy it. Gotcha. Okay, what about you, bro? What were you like in high school, man? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your story. Yeah, I did um, water polo and swim all throughout high school. I'd say if I had to de- describe myself back in high school, it'd be similar to a little bit how I'd describe myself now, kind of a fly under the radar kind of a guy. I mean, I took school super serious, um, you know, work test grades super were, were a really big focus for me, obviously, alongside, you know, sports with water polo and swim. Um, but really, I mean, the first phrase or kind of the first trait that comes to mind would just kind of be your fly under the radar kind of a guy. I wasn't you know, out making a big scene for myself or trying to, trying to do anything, uh, too crazy, just kind of there, show up, take school seriously, take sports seriously, you know, have a couple friends here and there. Um, but really kind of a fly under the radar kind of guy. And what's, uh, what position did you play in the water below? The wing. Yeah. Okay. On the right side. Cause I was left-handed. So I'd, I'd always okay. be on the right was side. Nick, was Nick Mays your coach? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Mays and Pickford, bro. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you were still, cause Pickford has gone now, right? It's just Mays. Yeah. He's gone. Okay. Yeah. Nice, man. Nice. Yeah. So, um, I think it's interesting to kind of talk about what people were like back then because it kind of gives you an idea of like how we turn out. It's kind of interesting cause I'm very similar in high school before I got into a bunch of dumb stuff. I was very shy very under the radar like once you got to know me i was i wouldn't show up i was super annoying once you got to know me but i was super <laughs> shy like i wouldn't go talk to people i wasn't really outgoing which is funny because in middle school i was super outgoing would talk to everybody and then i kind of shifted this thing so it's very interesting um but yeah i think uh like what was funny is when you say that I was super quiet and shy in middle school and then I got really loud and obnoxious in high school. <laughs> I had a classmate the other day, not the other day, this is like a year ago, remind me apparently of a story where I captured a whole bunch of bees in a Spanish class and let them out in a Spanish class. Holy crap. I don't dude. remember doing this at all, <laughs> but she remembers and I trust her memory more than mine. So <laughs> that's crazy, man. She yeah. probably 
got in tr- some trouble for that. No, I didn't. I led the Spanish class. I got an A. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't know how I got through that. Wow. But Okay. What about you, bro? So jumping back over, yeah. what did you want to do out of high school? I had no freaking clue, dude. All I knew was, so both my parents um, work at Fresno State University. So they've been in teaching their entire career. So really out of high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do other than I knew I had to go to school, right? So um, parents were really encouraging saying, hey, you know, next, that was just the next step, right? There was no questions asked. It was, all right, next step, you're going to school, you're going to college and you're gonna get your degree. So um, even through the first couple of years in college, I mean, I put, you know, business as my major, but you know, that's what you do when you have no no idea what the fuck you want to do. Right. (laughs) Um, and it wasn't until a couple years into college where I started finding real estate a little bit more, um, on social media through a couple books. And that's kind of where the seed was planted, um, around real estate, but right out of high school and even the first couple years of college, no idea what the hell I wanted to do, dude. I I just knew I, you know, that was the standard. That was the thing, right? Go to school and you're going to get your degree in something and you're going to graduate. Right. But I really had not either one, not put a lot of thought into it. Um, and two, just really probably didn't really care enough at that, at that point, I was like, you know, it's going to work itself out and it'll figure itself out, but had no idea coming out of high school so scott mentioned one thing and if you don't want to get into it that's totally okay but yeah he mentioned that your mom is is deaf yeah and she's a teacher at fresno state yeah so dude growing up i'm curious about this growing up has she always been deaf or is that something yeah that so happened? she was born deaf and my aunt my mom's sister uh who's a couple years older than my mom was also born deaf too wow so it's like a genetic thing basically or it's hereditary maybe or no, i <clears throat> i don't know fully i don't think it's hereditary i don't know what the whole thing is because both i mean both my grandparents are obviously hearing they're not deaf my mom and my aunt are the only two instances of being deaf like in that whole family tree so i don't think it's hereditary i don't know the exact you know science behind it but yeah dude so she's always been deaf uh her entire life and obviously the entire time uh, i've been alive too um that's always how it's been that's amazing man so growing up and seeing that i'm sure that helps you have a better understanding of the world and the you know people around you how how did that like Dude, how do you feel like that felt i guess what i'm trying to say is how do you feel yeah. like that helped you grow because i feel like that's something that people don't you know typically see so yeah dude it's it's interesting because i even catch myself thinking about it um pretty often too right i'm like what if you know my if my entire sense of hearing was, was just gone Right. And that's all I've known. And that's all I've, you know, I've, I've never experienced hearing, you know, my mom, my dad, my friends, nothing. And it's, it puts it into perspective, dude. Cause it's like, obviously my mom doesn't know uh, it, it's all she's ever known. Right. But I think exactly what you said, right. Just putting yourself and exposing yourself to a different perspective and an entirely different culture, dude. Cause right. everybody in the deaf community, right. Really tighten it. And, you know, just being able to expose yourself to that culture, um, those perspectives, I think it's, it's really helped me not uh, empathetic might, might be the right word or, or, well, I think that's the exact word Yeah, is, is the right word. Yeah. Um, 
my sister can speak a little bit of sign language. My wife can speak a little bit of sign language. And just, I mean, this is just speculative, but I feel like it's common that people that know sign language are just more empathetic. You know, um, do you, so do you know sign language? language I'm yeah, sure. for, like a first second language. language. Yeah, no, okay. it's for your first all, language. All my siblings and I. Yeah, it was. I mean, we we all started signing before you know we spoke any English. So that, see, that's our kids too. I mean, we're not obviously to that extent, but yeah. my wife taught our kids sign language before, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. so uh, they do little stuff like please and thank you. Yeah, and that, you know, so very interesting, man. That's yeah. powerful. And yeah. I think too. Um, going on that a little bit more helping my perspective too. Cause it's like, dude, my mom, um, dude, obviously there's a lot of stigma around deaf people, right? Just like, you know, I'm sure there, I know there's stigmas around other groups of people, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, but kind of like myths, right? Like it, a big one is like deaf and dumb, dude. Like if you're deaf, you're like, you're stupid, not smart. Like how in the world are you going to be smart if you can't hear anything, dude? Right. But, um, I almost feel like it'd make you smarter because you have to overcome obstacles in your life that normal people don't have to, not normal, but people don't have to overcome. Well, you know, and now so. I have a better sense of perspective and dude just met like it is so inspiring and encouraging because obviously my mom you know and now i'm sure with people who are growing up deaf now it's probably it's, it's a lot different than how when my mom was growing up right um but my mom being able to dude she's she went graduated got her bachelor's degree went went further got her master's degree dude and graduated and has now been teaching um you know, li lives life the way everyone else does, dude. And with, you know, what a lot of people would call a handicap, right? With not being able to. And she like, probably doesn't even look at it here. that way at all. No, I'm sure. Because no, it's just I, I don't look at to. it that right. way. Right. Um, but just super inspiring, dude. Because, you know, if she can go and do all that without hearing and without your sense of hearing dude to go and, and go through all that and accomplish what he what she has when you know i would think that was probably hard as shit dude like i would have no fucking clue how how she went and did that um it's just, it's inspiring for me dude i'm like fuck i gotta pick my game up i got i got i got big shoes to fill dude um but that yeah that's kind of that's kind of a little bit of the backstory. So what classes she teach at Fresno State right now? She teaches fully. Uh, she's kind of switched back and forth, um, but she's always been under the ASL American Sign Language uh, bracket. So um, pr right now she's teaching all ASL classes awesome. to uh, yeah students in all four years of, of state. Awesome. So this leads me to my next question. How did uh, your dad and her meet? Have they told you that story? Yeah, so they met. And did he know sign language before this? Uh, he, he, to learn? he wasn't fluent. Uh, he knew a little bit. Um, they had met in college. Um, my dad bounced around a couple different colleges. Um, my mom did too. And they met down in Chico um, and met there. Um, or no, they met at Northridge and then moved together and moved schools and over to Chico. Are they still together? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yep. Still together, still married. So, uh, my dad didn't know sign language, obviously fluently when they met, um, he knew a little bit, but obviously when they met, um, my dad went, he became certified as an interpreter. He, um, wow. did, you know, was a certified interpreter for a crap ton of years. Also taught, uh, various, you know, classes under the ASL branch at Fresno state before he kind of moved his way into administration. But 
Dude, that's awesome. kind of funny. When I uh, <coughs> when Kate and I started partnering on some stuff, one of my cousins uh, saw the last name Barrett and was like, "Hey, is uh, like weird question? <laughs> is Kate's mom deaf?" And I was like, "I don't know. I think." You didn't. And he goes, "He goes, <coughs> dude." Kate, I know Cade. I've known him since he was little. I went through the Fresno State ASL program and they were like my professors. He's like, I love Mr. Barrett or <laughs> Professor Barrett. And so to this day, like just at the last fight night, Cade's dad came Dude, to the, the fight one. night yeah. uh, because <laughs> my cousins are in ASL and uh, they're prof- one of them's a professor now. And, and like Cade's parents have a huge impact in the Fresno area. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I think that's really good to dive into and, and learn because that's something that people don't deal with every day and it's i feel like a life experience that is going to benefit you hugely you know in the future so scott what about you man how did you guys first off getting into real estate and moving into real estate like what drove you to do that was it just something like okay i'm just going to do real estate because i don't know why but this sounds like a good <laughs> career and a lot of people get into real estate or mortgages that way especially in the mortgage industry it's always like <laughs> some third cousin that tells you to get into mortgages and you get in <laughs> and you're like what the hell did i just get into but for real estate how um like how did you get into it i know i think i met you actually i did meet you guys when you guys were with jason and benny Mm-hmm. And yeah. Benny and I are still really good friends to this day. Um, so is that the first place that you guys started? And how long had, had you been there? Or had, yeah, had you been there? When? Yeah. Uh, I always say, like, people get in the real estate out of desperation or inspiration. And uh, I think mine was more desperation. I dropped out of school um, just because I had already switched, you know, um, majors a few times. And I said, you know what, like, let's, like, recoup getting a new idea. So Benny was uh, a regular at Cup of Joy. I've told you this story before. And essentially, like, I just followed him because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And uh, Benny was a realtor at the time. He had this really cool listing um, over by Fort Washington Golf Course. He said, like, hey, I'm doing a broker's open. It's where all these people will come by. And, like, we're just showing them the house kind of a thing, like, just kind of being hospitable. And I was like, well, I have restaurant experience and I have graphic design experience. So I know how to talk to people and I know how to make some marketing flyers. So I helped him with it and kind of stumbled my way into that. Benny is a extremely, extremely friendly guy and super um, encouraging. And so Benny was just like, hey, like, you know, I think you've got a lot of skills that could be really good here. I really think you would do well. Like, why don't you come work with me for a little bit? You can help me through these methods and then I'll help you by helping you get your license and like you can make a little side money. I'm super money motivated. Um, and at the time I'm living out of the house, paying my own bills, working minimum wage. So I'm like, any way to make extra cash was great. So kind of went that route. And then once I got my license, it was just kind of history. You know, at that point it was like a game, you know? So did you and Cade know each other before this? No. Okay. So Mm -hmm. Cade, tell your story then we can kind of combine them. So how did you get in with Benny and Jason's team and how did you start? Yeah. Long story short, I met, um, I was doing a networking event for, or, or a speaking gig for Fresno state. Um, and I had given this little speaking gig and I had met Benny's mom at that event. Um, and she, had came up, introduced herself, um, and gave me Benny's card. Cause she was like, Hey, you know, what are you kind of interested in? And this was kind of around the time, um, that I'd start getting a little bit exposed 
exposed to real estate just, you know, through social media and a couple books I'd read and stuff. And she had given me Benny's card and she was like, Hey, um, you know, my son's team, he's got a team, a real estate team. They're actually looking for a real estate assistant. Like it, you know, might be a good fit. I'll let him know, you know, I met you too, but here's his card. Shoot him a call. Um, long story short, like 20 or 30 phone calls later and two months later, like I finally start day one, um, as the assistant with, uh, under the Clayson group, Benny and Jason were the team leaders, Scott and another agent, Ashley full, uh, were licensed agents on the team. So it was the four of them. And I was the fifth one tagging along as, as starting off as the office assistant. Okay. I think I remember that. So when I came in for that office meeting, do you guys remember that? Kate had literally like just gotten hired. Yeah. Okay. You had just gotten <laughs> yeah. hired. Like then. Kate had gotten hired like that <clears throat> month. Cause yeah, that was like, at the old <laughs> iron key building in the second story. Right. In the little or conference room. I'm trying about? to think. No, it was in the conference room. It was in the conference room, but at, at, at the new iron key. Oh, well then now. Kate had been with us. For oh a yeah. Then. then that, Oh, at the new one. Yeah. 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 At the, at the newer one. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. okay. There's some other people there too. Um, I forget the name of the other people, but it was like you, Ashley, Cade, Benny, Jason, and maybe one more. Me and Joe. Yeah. You guys had a big team at that time. And Bailey. Yeah. And Bailey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's cool to see that everybody pretty much from there has gone out and been successful. Like that was a great team environment where people learned and grew. Um, Because almost everybody that I like, I see Bailey killing it. You guys are killing it. You know, I haven't seen Manju. I don't know what he's he doing. He switched but. out of real estate more into back into the trucking stuff. So it's a little different. Okay. But I'm sure he got a lot of good experience and learned yeah. a ton oh, 100%. from them, you know? So, yeah. Um, and Ashley's killing it now. She moved to Kansas, Kansas right? City. Kansas yeah. City. Yeah. And wow. she's doing really well. I think of all of us, she's kind of grown the most into different roles and trying, like she's done coaching, coaching and mentoring yeah. and good, still man. selling a lot of real estate and still. That's awesome. Yeah, she's, she's crushing. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So you guys... You met, you met each other there and then you guys formed like a partnership kind of bring that into effect like how did that happen how did you guys form that partnership and what made you guys decide like hey let's make this happen let's grow <laughs> together well and correct me if i'm wrong and, and add anything i miss but um i'm so obviously scott's <clears throat> licensed i start out <clears throat> part-time maybe 10 or 12 hours a week dude just you know office assistant grunt work bs um <clears throat> excuse me and you know, obviously I'm going through school. Scott's continuing to grow, um, his agent business and also starting, we're starting to do more investing with influence from Jason and kind of learning that. Um, and I graduate school and obviously Scott and I just in relation to being on the team, we are the two closest guys in age, right? I mean, right when I joined, it was Benny, Jason, Ashley, Scott, and now me, right? So, I mean, we're a year apart, you know, just by being in the same environment, right? You, you, you've got to start talking to people, right? So you're, they're either going to become your friend or not. Um, and we started to become really, really good friends and I graduate school. I already knew I was going to, um, you know, hit the ground running full time. And it was already apparent to me, um, that Scott 
had like a really special skill set. And what, once we found out, you know, we've read a book called Rocket Fuel. I don't know if you've read it. Oh, yeah, Traction before, Rocket Fuel. But the, whole what, books. the word I now attribute to, you know, being a visionary and having visionary qualities, right? Um, and through, like, it doesn't yeah. mean it's the look. He's like, he's like, that is me. I was just I'm sitting up. I realized how much I slouched. Yeah. I saw y'all. He's like, yeah. Yeah. Tell more good things about me, Cade. I'm just talking shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um I, when i had finished school obviously i you know i i had outgrown the office assistant uh role got licensed started learning investing too um but i kind of quickly recognized you know my skill set and my strengths if we're referencing the book again um you know, I, I fall into that category of being more of an integrator, right? Like systems, operations, um, you know, moving the puzzle pieces, how things work, how we get something done, right? And in the book, those two things, a visionary and an integrator are complementary, right? You, you know, one is not gonna have as much success on their own Absolutely. than with the other. So um, I, it may have been a gradual process, dude, but um, I, we, to clarify, we do have completely separate agent businesses. We have completely separate investment business businesses where we flip wholesale, this sort of stuff. But where our partnership falls into place is we do own some units out in South Bend and how that came about. The only thing I remember, dude, is um, we used to get into the office really early, stay like, like we're grinding, we're two young guys. Um, we're getting out of the office. It, it's already dark outside, 6.30, 7 at night, dude. Like long ass day and we walk out and we're like, dude, what are we doing? We're learning all, we're absorbing a, a lot of this information uh, investment wise, like from Jason, dude, and, and from Benny too. Jason owns all these rentals. Like, what the fuck are we doing? We got to go buy some rentals. How do, how are we going to do it? Right. And, and we spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes and, you know, talking outside in the parking, parking lot. And we're like, fuck it. We're coming in tomorrow, 630 in the morning. And we're going to fit. We're just going to go and do it. We're going to buy some fucking rentals. And from that point, we come in at six 30 in the morning, the next day in the office. And we do that for, it was like four not, months or yeah, five months. I, just I looking say, for properties and things of that nature. Well, we just started like the, the process of discerning what market we wanted to be in. What were the metrics? What did we have to know to, before we did anything? And like, literally like, once we identified South Bend, it was just coming in every day and analyzing deals. And for, for the viewers, because I think this will be helpful, how did you identify South Bend and what other areas did you look at? Uh, we looked at, based off of the census, we were looking at places that had growing populations, growing economic uh, uh, industries. Like we were looking at breadth of industries. Like we didn't want just like one manufacturing uh, set up where it was all the whole city was just manufacturing. Right. You know, we wanted a couple different industries, things like that. Um, politics of the state played a really big part. What were the best uh, states based on local politics? Because as landlords, like some states are great and some are not. And then, frankly, like our decision came down to who we knew that was doing it. And that was like Jason and a couple other people. And he had a property manager that we already knew. And that kind of solidified like, okay, our risk is a lot lower. We have somebody who's done it. So we can kind of reference what their numbers look like. We have a property manager in place. We know what, like, at least that we can reach them. And that was it. So then once we picked South Bend, it was like, okay, we know the market, now find a deal. And we already knew how to find deals. It was analyze until you knew what a good deal looked like and then make offers. And when you're analyzing those deals, 
Are you doing it off the MLS? Are you guys looking for off-market stuff? And how were you guys getting that off-market stuff in another state? No, we were all on Zillow. And we were just literally analyzing properties on Zillow. Which is amazing because in Fresno, you can't go on Zillow. You have to find an off-market deal for it to make sense for it to cash flow. And you technically could if you have the cash. You can go buy something, cash. It's going to appreciate. You're going to be able to rent it out. Or you can put a massive down payment. But with Indiana, I'm sure you could put like the 20% down or even less, and you're probably cash flowing over there. This world is weird because like the big fish from the Bay Area make us look broke. But right. we have people in South Bend who must think that we're gazillionaires because <laughs> right. at 21, we bought nine properties in two weeks. But right. it was only 250000 We borrowed it from a private money lender at 10%, and they still cash flowed. And then we went and refinanced them. Like our average mortgage in South Bend is like, uh-huh, it's like 200, $250,000. Does that sound right? Average. Or 200, uh, or I mean, 250, 250 a month. Yeah, I think our highest mortgage is $350. And our rents are <laughs> 1150 to 800 Yeah, like 800 to and so, wow, you know, bro. Like, so how much in net income, if you don't mind me asking, are you making on those properties combined? So I think this is a good podcast to be honest about everything. Yeah. We bought some bad properties that really hurt our cash flow and really hurt our um, investing strategy. We've really started to like, we're finally getting to the point where we're out. I think they're throwing off about 4,000 a month. That net, would, net income. Hell yeah. yeah, before you account Bro, that's for, really good. That's not the properties that you messed up on, though, right? No, we've that's sold okay. those off we've, since okay. then. And we've had some real serious problems. I mean, like, I don't want to shit talk people, but, like, we had people that we thought we could trust that didn't do what we needed them to do. Like, for example, we just found out we owe $6,000 to the city that we were told explicitly in writing was not the case. And the city's like, nah, they, they're just wrong. Like you owe right. this money. And these are things well, that pop up, man. You know, right. these are things that. But, well, and dude, when, when, <laughs> and when, and when we say like the cliche saying it's owning rental properties is not all sunshine and rainbows. I remember the day this happened. Cause I had already gone home for the day. Um, oh, Scott no. was still in the office and we, we My get heart rates going <laughs> up. We get this email dude that we owe Twenty thousand dollars. It's twenty five. I think twenty five. Yeah, it was twenty five thousand dollars on a remodel that we thought was going to be less than half of that. So, and it was due on receipt. Due on receipt. Twenty five thousand dollars. I don't know who called who first. It was immediate after we got the email, and we're like, "Bro, what the fuck? We are at that point twenty one and twenty two, maybe a twenty one and twenty two year old guy. We get the an invoice for twenty five thousand dollars, and we're like, "All right." I'm like, "Dude, I'm coming back to the office. We need to sit down and figure out how the fuck we're going to come up with this money, dude." So, how did so, you guys end up coming up coming up with the money? Pull. It was I, it was a mix of things. One, yeah. <laughs> um, the property manager was willing to take payments. Um, they said, look, like we trust that you guys are good for your money. We like, this is definitely a surprise to you guys. Like we're going to work with you on it. And then two, like, thank God we saved. Like we had yeah. some money and had we, a little bit of reserve. It, just, it sucks, right? <laughs> Getting rid of those reserves is painful. It hurts. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, I guess that's one thing that we could talk about. That's kind of interesting is, I mean, most marriages get destroyed from money, right? Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't have any kind of uh, situation where, like these rentals, where, where one of us picks up the tab and the other doesn't. And so we have to come to a lot of 
um, agreements on things. And it's like, I'm married now with a house and dogs and a totally different life circumstance, even though we're one year apart from where Cade's at. And I think we've had a very interesting time maintaining like a really genuine friendship. And also we've had more than one scenario where we get hit with invoices that we couldn't pay. And like that shock is definitely hard and like not (laughs) blowing up at the other person or starting pointing fingers or saying like, you're a retard. Like we literally have had moments where like, we are like, at blows with ourselves <laughs> about how we handled it but like we've managed to stay like good friends you know what though too that's that's awesome that you guys stayed good friends because i know money things can can cause issues but i wanted to say you guys haven't over yourself at all so that's not what i'm trying to say but what i'm trying to say is you can either go buy a bunch of cars you can do a bunch of credit cards you can do you know basically finance your life away and be struggling making those payments or you can buy properties you can buy investments and have hiccups that come up and you're struggling at times making those payments but at the end of the day the long-term benefit of owning properties you win whereas people that just blow their money on cars and other things they lose right so those struggles one you guys are so damn young that i mean you guys could have a million mess ups between now and freaking 40 and you guys would still be good. We're working hard you know? hitting the million number that <laughs> we're on track. <laughs> no, I mean, the fact that you guys are there is, is like next level. You know, I mean, I Maybe. can't even dream of me being that age. Like I wasn't even in the right mindset at that age to do anything. All I was thinking about is partying and chicks. Like that's literally all I thought about when I was your guys's age. So kudos to you guys for being able to take it, you know, control of your life and, and push forward and actually make something happen because I, you guys are a rare breed in your age category, you know? So, um, but yeah, kind of get to get back into the investment side on South Bend and all that kind of stuff. Do you guys have more, uh, like you guys want to buy more properties out there now? Are you guys looking at other areas or, Cage shaking his head. He's saying no. no you guys don't want any more properties. I don't want to. No, we've. It's taken so long to stable these ones out there, and we still have. Like Scott said, we this hiccup we had with, um, you know, being told one thing and then now own, you know, owing six thousand bucks to the city, which we still haven't paid yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're still at yeah, the city of South Bend. Um, we, uh, we're working on it. Yeah. Well, we're, you guys we're, aren't we're trying too much hard because you're making um, that four thousand well, dollars a month net. So. And we're trying to sell that pro- that that bill in question is tied to a property that we are have actively been biting tooth and nail to try and sell. And it's the last one kind of from that bad batch. Um, so I, once that's finally off, you know, that's kind of the last little piece for the batch out there until it's, you know, fully stabilized. And it's been two and a half years. Almost September will be three years. Um, so, and, and I think the plan there, obviously the plan would be to, to, you know, each of us respectively to, buy some more, you know, buy more rental properties, but wh- what that looks like, where that looks like, um, you know, is to be, t- to be determined at least, uh, at least on my end. So, so you guys have seen my post. I want to buy six properties and all yeah. that. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, right when I'm closing on that seller finance deal. Yeah. This week, the seller backs out. <sighs> why? I think he just, <sighs> I don't know why we didn't get an exact answer, but I didn't want to be making payments to somebody. Is my wife coming over here? No. Oh, I didn't want to be making payments to somebody that was pissed that we closed on the house. Yeah. Right. So I was like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to close, but I think it had to do with money. Um, 
and they said something with the taxes because they had it as an investment property and they're like well we're just going to turn it into a primary for two years and then sell it so we don't have to pay capital gains on it long story short with how the economy is and all this kind of stuff it made me kind of rethink things and i was like you know what i don't know if i'm going to push for that i think i'm just going to now save me over here yeah going to save up all the money cash 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 and then wait for the right yeah kid i think that's interesting man i like figuring out like people's story because especially people that have like interesting stories that are things that really shape how somebody's personality is and how they are and i think that's why in a lot of ways you're very like humble and just because you're empathetic and i don't know man i think that just it makes a big difference you know what i mean um like growing up and so yeah like, dude it's it well and it's all i ever knew too right so it's like you know i didn't see it as anything you know say it you know yeah, uh, but you I didn't see a lot of people yeah. no right because yeah. it's like you know especially because it was my first language i mean that's my amazing, childhood dude. is like you know you know <laughs> i compare it to somebody else's I've, it's it's the exact same dude that's why i think when people people like make it a big grandstand and, and it you know, it, it is kind of hard to comprehend, like not, not being able to hear, see, like I, I would think is this huge, big thing. Right. But dude, it doesn't stop anybody. People yeah. go out and do a ton of shit, dude. Like it's, it's, you know, it, it's another limiting belief, right, dude. I mean, we talk about it all the time in, in business and real estate and lending, right. Not having those limiting beliefs, all that shit's just limiting beliefs, bro. Cause you can, go out and do fucking whatever you want, bro. Whatever you want. Hey, let me ask you a question. Yeah. What do you think your mom's reaction would be if she could hear your voice? Crying. Yeah. I'd cry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know, dude. Yeah. yeah. You've she never... Will, yeah, she will one day, bro. You've, ne- you've never met Cade's mom, too, but she's, like, so nice. Like, one of the nicest people ever, yeah. too. So... Yeah, she would definitely cry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For days, probably. Probably. Yeah. Days. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Could you? I mean, I mean, could you imagine if? The, I mean, the light switch was just turned like right now, bro, dude. Uh, you could probably go the rest of your life still fucking tripping out, dude. <laughs> That's what I would think, dude. Like, well, and she's like that, what, almost fifty. So you go, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you go decades long. without knowing, and then <laughs> well, I think all of a sudden, technology's gonna get there. Too, well, that's I think what Jake's well, argument is. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's like same thing with people who've been blind, right? And then fuck, bro, Mr. Beast just cured like what a thousand people's blindness, bro. <laughs> that was <laughs> that crazy. Was, wait, what? Nuts. What did he do? Yeah, it was it was a thousand. It was a thousand, people. bro. It Mr. Beast thousand. went out and paid for the surgery for a thousand people around the world to cure, cure their blindness, right? But but the surgery that's needed. For astigmatism? I don't like know. What? I don't I know what no it was. Idea I don't is. know exactly but what they were doing, but yeah. Technology is getting advanced and as AI progresses too. Mr. Wait, Chad GPT, dude, bro. Wait until AI starts coming up with solutions. I'm serious. Wait until AI starts coming up with like. Where do you where where do you see that going, bro? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not like an AI specialist or anything. I no, I'm just, like I am, but just your opinion. I, I just think that, uh, dude. I think it's going to be a completely different world in 20 to 30 years from now. I think. I hope. I mean, better buy real estate, better own property because 
I just think that a lot of jobs are going to, unfortunately, it's sad, dude. I just not like, I think this is a good thing, by the way. I don't think it's a good thing that people's jobs are going to get destroyed, but it's going to, you know, destroy a lot of jobs, right? Because employers are going to be able to hire people. I know like in the loan industry, for instance, like let's say 20, 30 years, hopefully, dear God, I'm not doing mortgages at that time, but <laughs> let's say that AI has advanced. I'm sure people won't be using operations staff anymore, right? You're going to have an AI that's just going to be able to instantly process the pre-approval and tell the client exactly what they qualify for. And it's going to be somebody like me on the other end that just goes over it with the client. That's all it's going to be. Have that human connection, but the AI is going to be way cheaper. It's going to be able to do things exact and it's going to have a thousand times of the output. So, I mean, probably even more than that, right? You submit 20 applications and it can work on all 20 at one time. That's where things are going, I think. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. I had Balin on and he's been, you know, researching chat GPT a lot and he used it to grow his business and did some things with his website. Yeah, that podcast is coming out soon, but it's really interesting. Hmm. So what do you guys think is going to happen to AI or with AI? I don't know. I mean, the problem that I see with AI is more that it, it, it could be misused by malicious people. I think like the already the people coming out with uh, scams where they can make your voice like for I thought about this because it said if you have like a lot of like uh, good quality audio recording <laughs> online like yeah. I'm going to call my grandma today and talk to her because somebody could easily take my voice call my grandma and it would sound just like me I mean I've got thousands of hours of recordings up online at yeah. this point like I've said that's, every word that you would need gonna, to steal yeah. money from my grandma. That's what I was going to say, that's dude. Cause <laughs> Jake, I don't know if I've sent them to you on TikTok, but, um, I've come across videos on TikTok. I don't know if either of you guys the have presidents. seen them either of all the presidents, bro. They've got, they've got Trump's <laughs> voice, Biden's voice and Barack's voice, just talking shit to each other <laughs> in the gameplay. And it sounds exactly like him, bro. Yeah. But I, I would say like, that's my bigger concern. Yeah, I'm not as the, concerned about the amount of automation that's going to take over yeah. the workforce. Because frankly, like you think about how many people were doing farming before they like how many people were in hunting and gathering before we developed the modern agricultural world. Mm -hmm. it, people found other things to do. And like, frankly, the people who make a lot of money right now are middlemen, right? Like, well, that, dude, and so my thing is like too, part. people like us, not to tune our own horns, but people like us who have like the skill set and you know, have built up these, like, you know, all these jobs, like you said, you know, n nobody's saying it's a good thing. People are going to be losing their jobs. Right. But a lot of the first jobs that are going to be lost are going to be lower level jobs. Right. right? And so, I, I just want to put one thing out there too. Anybody can develop the skills absolutely. needed to sell, to do anything like that. Sales is the number one paid industry in the world. And if you want to make money, learn to sell. That's all I'm going to say. Good. Yeah. And you said it better than I could. Cause it's like when you have, you know, it's like Scott said, I think the bigger, that's not a big worry in my mind either. Cause it's like, dude, I know I'm, I'm always going to be able to provide value in some way. What, you know, who knows what we're doing in 20, 30 years, right? Hopefully not selling real estate or, <laughs> or doing right. mortgages. Right. Um, but Scott made a good point, like something scary, like somebody, and it's the same, it's going to be the same for you, right? Splicing together all these things, somebody calling up your grandma, pretending to be Scott or pretending to be Cade and being able to, that on all the lower levels, I think is, is 
pretty scary. Yeah, that's that's crazy to think about. And also the flip side of that, you being able to record your voice and it's going to be able to have a real conversation with a client that calls in. So it's like Scott's going to call me. It's going to be an AI robot. And Scott's <laughs> going to think he's talking to me the whole time. I'm going to be in Cabo or something. Yeah. doing that thing. No. But in all seriousness, that's happening where people are going to be able to call in. You're going to be able to take 15, 20, 30 calls at one time and have full conversations once AI gets that advanced. And it's hard to wrap our head around that. But AI is going to learn. They necessarily won't feel emotions right maybe they will one day who knows but they won't feel emotions but they'll know how to replicate it they'll mm -hmm. know how to make the fluctuations in their voice they'll know how to react when you say something that makes them laugh and they'll laugh you know so yeah That'd be not, yeah not to go too down uh far down the rabbit hole too but dude i mean you think the industrial revolution bro like just compare that time period to fucking now dude like right. in all the techno, like when you say in obviously 20, 30 years, that's a lot smaller difference than the industrial revolution to now. But the amount of like, I don't think I, my mind's completely open, dude. Cause I don't think almost any, I don't think anything's out of the question just because I mean, of how much advancement has happened. About, like your parents growing up, bro, like to now, like we have self-driving cars that, that are like affordable. <laughs> and they would yeah. never believe that. No, if you told <laughs> no. them, they'd be like, no way, no, no and, way, you know, and they're good too. Tesla self-driving is pretty good. Well, and so. the good news is, is that humans are way smarter than we think. And so just like anything else, when you solve the problem, you don't get rid of problems. You just elevate the problem. So then now you free up millions and millions of people who are working you know, trash jobs or trash things, free them to do now bigger things and better things and more important issues that come up. I think what freaks out a lot of the conspiracy theorists, and we're going to get into some conspiracy right now, right? But it's like AI taking over and then basically everybody getting like a universal income because it's like AI is doing everything at this point. You just go live in these homes. You don't have to pay for anything. We'll pay for your food. You'll get a check. And so like humans basically need a are, sense of purpose. So that's, I think, what the fear would be. And I think that you don't need to have a job to have a sense of purpose. So I, I don't know if that's like something to really worry about. I'm definitely not pro uh, universal base income. I'm not <laughs> pro like automation, just like creating a communist state. I'm just saying that like, I also don't think that flipping burgers or whatever is giving somebody as much purpose as we would all feel right, it is. Right. Like our jobs are very fulfilling because we're helping people with like huge things, right? I think that's why we all like our job. But you know, if we can replace this, the crappy jobs that nobody really wants to do, I actually think it's kind of a good thing. And even if it means that other people are gonna have to find new ways to find purpose, I think they still could. So to kind of jump into that, where do you think people will be able to find new jobs if AI takes over like every job, like an admin job or a burger job, for instance, right? There's thousands, millions of those jobs. And there's few people that are doing sales and real estate. I mean, maybe not a few, there's a lot of people doing it, but in the scheme of things, it's smaller compared to the, you know, the larger population. So where would they find those jobs? I mean, new industries, you think new industries would arise yeah. and stuff? Okay. Yeah. Like I mean, think about tech, man. Like tech is a huge provider now, but I mean, a hundred years ago, like they were going to say, well, where are we going to go when all the car manufacturing goes away? What are people going to do? Think about that. Right. Right. Like right. car manufacturing was all done by hand, I presume. And now it's almost all fully automated with like engineers. You, I guess, it's a fraction. I guess my argument is there's always going to be um, like certain a certain, you know, certain people that don't 
want to better their lives. They don't want to grow and succeed. That was the point I was make it's like, you. where are they going to get these that's jobs the if they don't have though, anything? Yeah. Right. So <laughs> that's Darwinism in the modern and, world. And that's right. when you pose the question. I, I think it's more of a like sociological question. Like those people are, you can't for, you can't force those people to do anything right like, right. like that they're gonna go to the next lowest level <laughs> job yeah whatever if the there next, is any available it, yeah which is real estate <laughs> <laughs> right now right right now it is <laughs> especially if you're a loan officer um, god don't get in mortgages yeah. <laughs> right now, no. Um, but no i think the evolution of technology will be interesting i i i think it will be generally for the better um there has to be restrictions and like it has to be in the right hands. And I would say that more so keeping technology in the hands of the people is more important. And then dispersing it from like the elites. Cause there's like a group I think of elites that control such a huge portion. And I, I mean, I'm a massive capitalist, but I also think that like the, the whole thing with chat GPT already like answering questions certain ways it it is a sign that once it, the measures of information get taken control of by just a small group of people, everything can change. You know, right? If ChatGPT represents the personal beliefs of a few and not the broad understanding of like the global knowledge, then that, that's a really good point. So you'd almost hope that the AI can develop its own. The, yeah, the, the way, you know, no, the best way for AI to help the world is to be open source and have let the entire world add to it and put, be a part of it. That's the only way that you can actually make sure that it's, this is starting to sound a lot like globalism, bro. <laughs> One world government <laughs> coming into play ran by AI. Well, no, I'm kidding. Who knows? There's also like a whole thought process that like the only way to, to get world peace is through getting, uh, getting everybody out of poverty because poverty is one of like the things that like keeps no, that's people. very true. People and are so desperate. AI could yeah. definitely help there. You know, yeah. there there's worlds like if Americans don't have enough jobs here, well, there's enough money in our country to help fly out and help other places, and maybe that becomes the new thing is like going out. I don't know. Just no, it's good stuff. Yeah, it's good. Off off the top of my head, that's what I think could happen. Yeah, it's good to to think about. It's probably going to be so much different than any of us even think in 20, 30 years with AI. You know, I hope. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> we'll see. Well, do you guys have anything else that you guys want to add to the audience or leave them with something impactful that's helped you in your business? <laughs> You're looking to the wrong guys for impactful statements, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you guys, you guys are impactful. You guys are impactful. Uh, <laughs> All right. Name one thing in the All last. Right. Name one thing in the last year that this real estate market has taught you in 2022 and going into 2023 versus the you know the craziness of 2021 that everybody thought was going to last forever. Right. You can't worship two gods, and I think last year I spent a lot of time on my business, not enough on my faith, and I'm grateful that at least this market's allowed me to kind of change that. That's good, dude. That's a clip right there. Go ahead. That is a clip, yeah. dude. <laughs> I can't top that one. But, um, dude, what it has taught me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and pull it up because I want to use the exact, uh, the exact, the the exact term, um, and it's something I've come to learn as uh, like aggressive patience. 
and it was in a in a podcast ap- episode with uh, Andy Frisella's podcast, and essentially aggressive patients being knowing you have to show in, you have to show up each and every day, day in and day out. It could it could take days, it could take months, it could take years to get your goal, but you've got to go in each and every day, every single week, every single month, each year that goes by you've got to have that you've got to have your head screwed on tight you've got to have your that northern sail towards that goal you can't just sit back and say okay i'm going to be patient but you know i i know things will come around you know when they do they'll come by in their own time so in the meantime i'm just going to kind of hang out take my time you know kind of be lazy cuz i know things will come around in their own time but having that aggressive patience knowing your goal could take months or years to achieve but still having that aggressive daily um you know patience to go in day in and day out to reach that goal um i think is big cuz obviously we all know we don't see success in this industry overnight right so knowing the activities now that we do in the in the relationships we make come back and and the fruits of that labor show up in three, six, nine months down the road, regardless, we're still showing up day in and day out and doing the hard fucking work. And we're not sitting back saying, you know, all right. And in nine months I'll be in a better spot. No, we're still coming day in and day out doing our thing. So that's what I leave us with. Yeah, no, I love that, man. I want to end on one thing too, because I think in 2021, it was very easy to make money in real estate, right? And people got used to it. They spent above their means. They bought things they probably shouldn't have. And now, trust me, I see it as a, as an owner of a company, I can see all the LO's production and it's struggling. People are struggling right now. And so what people have to realize though, is there's massive, massive opportunity right now that people aren't seeing. And yeah, like Cade said, it may not be the massive opportunity that you're going to call hard or prospect or do whatever you can in your business. And you're going to reap it in three months. It may be a year and a half down the road, but as we start to see people get out of the business, you're growing, you're doing more marketing, you're becoming the better professional, more knowledgeable in your industry and the best possible version of yourself. You're going to benefit from it greatly in a year and a half, two years or three years, whenever that you know, time turns around and this is how real estate is, man. It's cyclical. And that's what I've learned. You know, there are things that you can't control and there's things that you can't control. And I thought going into this market, I was like, no, my production is going to stay the exact same. I honestly thought that I was like, my mind is powerful. I can do this. I can law of attraction into existence. Like it's going to happen. And the reality is it's just not the truth. When things come down, you know, the top producers are still going to produce. We're still going to be okay, but it's not going to be where it was before. And we're seeing that nationwide people that are saying they're doing the same are full of shit because they're not, um, you know, but you can still do very well right now, but it's just about planting those seeds. So I just want to leave it at that with some encouragement guys. Thank you for coming on. It was fun. And, uh, hopefully we'll do it again. So dude, yeah. thank you for having us. This was fun. Please have us back. All right, cool. <laughs>